Hi, sisters. Today, we are going to be going over the parable of the 10 virgins. I did put this into a two-part series, so I cut it off, and then it will resume in the next episode. With everything going on in the world today, I think it's a good idea that we do some self-examination to make sure that we are really ready for our bridegroom to return. There is homework with this series, so look for that in the show notes. Enjoy! Hi family! Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know that I have a study guide that I have written, sisters just like you, who really want to know the deeper things of God, who want to understand God's attributes like love, God is truth, God is righteous, He's just. What does it mean that He's omnipresent and omniscient? And what does that mean for you personally? When people talk about Jesus and being justified and sanctified and to be redeemed, and how can you apply it to your daily life? And so many other questions, like, can we really trust the Bible? And who are we as man? Is hell real? These are great questions that we need to know the answers to as we are walking in our Christ-like faith. To love him is to know him. And Jesus said that we will be worshiping him in spirit and truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. So if you want to go deeper in your walk with God and have more understanding of the things that he has truly done for you and know more of the word for yourself, I highly recommend this study guide. I will have a link for you in the show notes on where you can get it. It is on Amazon and it's called Equipping the Saints. I hope this episode blesses you. Hi, sisters. I'm so glad to be back here with you guys again. Boy, a lot's been going on out there in the world. We've got a lot going on in Israel and with the Hamas. And boy, those people have really been on our hearts lately. We've been doing a lot of praying for the situation and praying for Um, all that are involved on all sides and just praying for the Lord's mercy. But there's been a lot of talk about, you know, time prophecy or, you know, does this play into that? Are we in the end days? Those kind of things, you know, pre-trib raptures and all this stuff. What had happened was somebody had asked the question about having our lamps filled with oil and, you know, how do we know that our lamps are filled with oil and, you know, and that we are part of the, uh, the virgins that are ready to be taken whenever that may be. And I thought this would be a good time to talk about the parable of the 10 virgins that, 
Um, I don't find it a coincidence. Obviously, it's not an accident. God's word is perfect and it's written perfectly. And remember that God's word is also not written with chapters and verses. So as we're reading, we, we need to kind of remember that and kind of take out the chapters and verses in our own time of study and in our own um reading of the word. We would never add chapters and verses to a letter if we've written somebody a letter, um, but they were added and, and and there can be some good things with that and why they were added, but they were added till the late 1500s to the Bible. Unfortunately, it's allowed for a lot of lifting of verses up out of context and then teaching uh, false doctrines and theologies around it. But with that in mind, we look at Matthew 24 and what Jesus is teaching here and how he is teaching about the end days, what to look for, what to, what, what to, what to realize that, you know, he is going to return. And, and when he does, will, will he find a bride that is ready for his return multiple times in 25 he says be ready be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect he talks about in 25 verses 45 46 basically through 51 about the the faithful servant and the wicked servant and how the faithful servant was busy being about his father's business and he was using his time his talent and his treasure to build the kingdom of god to work for the lord but the wicked servant just figured that the master was not going to return. And he's just like, he hasn't come back yet. He's not coming back. And so he went off and just lived the way that he chose to live. He had no urgency. He had no expectation and he was living life his own way. And he was considered a wicked servant because the master did return. And when he found the blessed servant, the faithful servant is what the Bible calls him, doing the things in which he was asked to do according to what God God's word, the master, who's our master, Jesus, Lord. That's what Lord means. He is the master. He, we are servants to him. He, when he comes back and he found the faithful servant using their time, talent, and treasure to serve him, to do as he is asked to be done, to go what, what, what we're asked to do, go make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to serve, to love one another, to be his hands and feet, to be ambassadors and representations. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We're to bring that good news to all that we encounter. We're to lay our lives down for one another. We're to submit to one another. We're to be a part of a local body a believer submitted to the elders, submitted to one another, uh, building up each other and building, building for the kingdom of God. And so when he comes back, he finds this faithful servant doing these things in which he had commanded. He's using his money to help further the gospel. He's using his time to help further the gospel and the gifts in which God has given him. And so he says, I'll make him a ruler over all. So he's going to so when he comes back and finds that servant, remember there's going to be a new heaven and new earth, you know, that blessed faithful servant is going to receive a reward for all his faithfulness in the new heaven and the new earth. But he says, man, I also saw this evil servant and here he was out. He says, but if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunken drunkards that the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him. And at that hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him to his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
you know, this evil servant is a hypocrite. He's just like the hypocrites. He professes to know the master. He professes Christ, but he's living his own way. He's enjoying the pleasures of this world. He looks, acts, talks like the world, or he um, is just, like I said, there's a lot of people that are very self-righteous where they can do good moral things, but they're, they're disobedient to the word. They don't follow the scriptures. They don't have any desire for the scriptures. They don't have any desire to follow the master and how he has laid things out. And so he says that person is going to be just like with the hypocrites and he's going to be in hell. And we know that Jesus is backing himself up here because in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he said the same thing. Like these people are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things? And these are people in the church. And so Jesus is, is, is speaking to the church here. These are not the world versus the on world, the people that are in church versus the people that are in the world. These are people that are all in church together. They're all professing Christ, you know, saying that they're all a part of his body and his bride. But this is where Jesus is saying there's going to be that great divide between the two. So as he as he's talking about this, he's saying, be ready. You're they're not going to know the day and the hour. The bridegroom is coming. He's speaking, of course, of himself in the in the end days. And so then he goes in. Remember, there's no chapter break here. He goes right in to the parable of the 10 virgins, where it says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Of course, he's talking about, you know, a Galilean wedding back then. The bridegroom would be betrothed to a young virgin. Uh, the parents that to, the men, typically the parents would put this all together. And then he would, he would, he would be engaged to her. And then he would go off usually for about a year to prepare for his bride, whether it be, you know, learning a trade for work, getting a house together, making sure just that he's ready to bring his bride in to his life so that he can provide for her so that he can um, take care of her. And so these, so then she picks these maidens, these, these 10 maidens that are going to, um, help with the, the wedding procession, kind of like what we, we do with bridesmaids today, how they help put the wedding together. They're there as witnesses, they're there to help the bride. And, and so I don't want to read too much into the story. There's a lot of times people go in, they go into all these symbolisms and they want to go into because I don't think we're meant to do that. I think the word says what it says. Jesus is, is finishing and clarifying a thought that he has been speaking for for a while now as he's been talking to this crowd in 25 or 24 he's going right in 25 again telling them another parable parable that we need to be ready that that's the point of this parable is that the the bridesmaids he the bridegroom was delayed they they thought he was going to come. Oh, he's going to come. He's coming now. Let's be ready. We're ready. We got all the dress on. We got the makeup or hair or whatever. We're all ready to go. And he's delayed. And so they, they go to sleep. Now, it's not that that was wrong of them to go to sleep. Our bodies need rest. Our bodies need sleep. Christ slept in his human tent. That is how we were designed to rejuvenate, to rest. But because he was delayed, they, they were sleeping, but they were ready. That's the thing. They had, they had the the torches ready. They had the oil. They were dressed. They were ready for when he did come. And so here comes that knock on the door. He's here. Now, when he knocks, verse two, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. So as the bridegroom come, knocks on the, or the, the person comes that basically kind of like the best man 
would come knock on the door and be like, he's here, he's here, he's, he's, he's here. And so they would jump up and, and they're already ready to go. And they have their, their, their sticks. It wouldn't have actually been a lamp. Like we see in a lot of pictures, it likely would have been, you know, a stick with a, with a soaking rag on it full of oil ready to go and when they talk about trimming it's likely that they were that, that there was ragged edges and they trimmed it up nice so that the fire would just be nice and and ready to go and they had the oil but you would need extra oil i mean obviously that would burn out you gotta put more oil on keep the lamps going keep the sticks going but they did not have any extra oil because they were not prepared they they did, they were not prepared for his coming Verse four, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They took some more oil with them. They were ready for anything. They're ready for a long distance to parade through the streets, to announce this beautiful wedding that's about to take place for the whole town to awaken and, and be ready. Cause this was like a one week celebration. This was, this was big time for back in ancient times and weddings were everything and the whole towns and other cities would come over and friends and relatives and they would they would take off work and they would celebrate for a, about a week the wedding and it was a whole thing and so they're announcing it so it says in verse five but while the bridegroom was delayed they all slept and slumbered we talked about that and at midnight a cry was heard behold the bridegroom is coming go out and meet him so we already talked about that then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So we kind of talked about what we think might have happened is that they were just getting the rags cleaned up. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So they had oil on the rags, but they did not have extra oil. And again, we're talking to the church here. We're talking to professing people who profess Christ in the church. Now they're asking the, the wise ones, can you give us some of your oil? The oil in here represents the Holy Spirit being born again. Are you born again? Do you have the oil? It also looking at these two different groups of people, they are together in life. They go to the same, let's just make it up to modern times. They go to the same church. They profess Christ. They sing songs together. They take communion together. They do all the church activities together. But the truth is once the, the rubber meets the road, the bridegroom is here. This is where we see separation from who are true followers of Christ versus who are false professors. Those that have the Holy Spirit, those that are born again by God are able to enter into the wedding feast. But the ones who have just been faking it, the ones who've been professing it, but aren't truly living it, the ones who say all the right things, or maybe, um, you know, are able to pretend to be uh, Christ followers every Sunday for two hours. They don't, but behind closed doors, they don't really live that life. They don't live a life that is uh, like the blessed servant versus the wicked servant. They're not, they're not dedicated to their father's business. They have not put their time, talent, and treasure into the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what's going on with these virgins. And so when they ask the, the wise virgins for some extra oil, we can often think, man, that's kind of selfish. Why couldn't you just give them some oil? thinking that when I was really young, probably one of the first times I read this or maybe heard it in church. And I was just like, why couldn't they just give them a little bit of oil? That way everybody had oil, you know, I didn't understand. And it's like, it's not because they're selfish. It's because they, you can't get your salvation from somebody else. I cannot give you your salvation. You can listen to every single teaching I have. You can be being personally discipled and counseled by me. We could be going to church together. We could be doing life together. 
I cannot save you. Only God from above can save you. Salvation comes from above. Remember when he talked to Nicodemus in John chapter three, that it, it only comes from above and no one can control it. No one, it's, uh, it's God's doing. He saves his people. Holy spirit comes and makes a home with you, seals you for the day of redemption, seals you for when the bridegroom is coming. And I, I hear this so often. I will have conversations with people when I'm talking to them, you know, in evangelism or whatever. And I'll say, do you know, Jesus? Oh yeah. My dad was a pastor. That's not what I asked. I didn't ask if your dad knows Jesus. I didn't ask if your dad, you know, is giving of his time, talent, treasure, and living out the gospel and, and being a faithful servant. I asked if you know Jesus. And I get that answer a lot. Oh yeah, I was raised in church. Oh yes, my dad's a pastor. Oh yeah, my uncle. Oh yes, my mom, my grandmother, whatever. Um, or, oh yeah, I go to church, but I'm living a life just like the world. I look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. I'm uh, living in sexual sin. I'm, I'm, I'm going out and drinking at the bars. I'm doing all these things. But, oh yeah, I, I go to church. Or, or, or they'll give me their denomination. Oh yeah. I'm Baptist. Oh yeah. I'm Mormon. Oh yeah. I'm a Jew. Oh yeah. I'm Catholic. And that's their identification. That's not the oil. That's a false oil. That's a false profession. That's saying I'm finding my salvation in someone else or something else or works that I'm doing, but not in the true life giver, the one who pours the oil in us, Jesus Christ. And that's what was happening here. They were asking them, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, we can't do that. Like we can't save you. We can't give you the oil. And, and here now the rubber's me in the road. Now, you know, it talks about in the parable of the wheat and the tares that the wheat and the tares grow up together. You know, wheat, tear, tares is a weed. It's an actual weed. So an agricultural. So if you were to go and plant a bunch of wheat and then there's, you plant, someone comes along and plants those tares or that, or those weeds, they look identical when they're in a field, the wheat and the tear, it looks identical when it grows up. Like you can't tell the difference between the two, but until the harvest, until the end. And what happens is, as they grow up straight together. The wheat, when it fully matures and is ready to be picked, the top bows down. It falls over like, okay? But the tear just continues to grow up and stand straight and tall. And I just think that's a great metaphor for the proud, right? They're growing up. They're saying they're Christian. They're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower, but I am not going to do what the Bible tells me to do. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to submit. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it grow proud, proud, proud. And then here comes the Lord of the harvest. And he is now going to grab his harvest in for himself, which is his bride. So you think of that with these two virgins, these two um, wise and foolish virgins as they're growing up together, they're going to church together. Oh yeah, we look the same. We're both ready for the bridegroom. We're doing all the things. Our hair's ready. Our Everything on the outside is looking really good, right? We even have our lamps. We even have a little bit of oil on those lamps. You know, we, we are being a part of the church activities and church life or whatever it is. But man, it comes when a rubber meets the road. Christ comes. The bridegroom is here. There is no time to now repent and go get truly born again. Your life is about to be judged. They don't have the oil. They don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there was evidence of that. 
there is evidence of that. Like, this is like, again, really take, Jesus wants us to look at our own lives here. And so these, these other ones said, we can't give you any of our oil. We will not have enough if we would. And it's not, don't start teaching like, oh, but they could have given him some of the Holy Spirit. No, they couldn't. That's not what Jesus is teaching. He's not teaching this whole theology about salvation, being born again. Can you lose your salvation? That's not what he, he's trying to drive home the same point that he's been driving home for all of 25, all of 24 is that there's going to be a lot of people in the church that profess Christ that are not truly born again. There's going to be a lot of people that refuse to go to church, but yet they say they're a Christian that are not truly born again. That is the point of this parable. They do not have the Holy Spirit. And that we do not know when the bridegroom is coming. Jesus you know, I think he wanted us to be very well aware that Jesus was not going to be coming right back 2000 years ago, that this was going to be a delay, that it was going to take time, that there was going to be, God was going to have forbearance on the people. He was going to show a lot of grace and a lot of mercy, uh, century after century, generation after generation. And here we are today still anticipating, but what do we think? What are people? Well, he hasn't come in 2000 years. Yeah. My grandma used to teach that, that he was going to come and he never came. She's not even here anymore. Oh, my great grandma. Oh, I've been hearing that since I've been born. Right. Gen Xers. We, we were raised on the left behind series. Okay. We have like trauma from it. Okay. And that's a whole nother podcast, but we do, we got trauma from the left behind series. I mean, I remember having nightmares as a child, like wake, like in my nightmares, like everyone's gone. I'm still there. You know, it's, you know, always thinking that day was the rapture. That's a whole nother topic. But the point is, so he, so it's, it seems that Jesus is delayed right now. Right. So we're all anticipating, oh, COVID that's end times. Oh, the vaccine, that must be the mark of the beast. Oh, now Israel's being bombed. That's gotta be, you know, Daniel, the revelations of Daniel and Ezekiel. And this has gotta be that. And maybe, maybe, uh, this is the start of, uh, some things happening in Israel. You know, we are definitely on alert. We're definitely praying or seeking, but the point is, are you ready Listen, sisters, God can require your soul today. The bridegroom can come and get you today, right now, as you're listening to this podcast. He can say, it's time. And it doesn't have to be a rapture. It can just be you. I require your soul today. Is your, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you born again? Are, are you ready for your bridegroom? Are you ready? Lord, as we finish up this part one, I just want to pray blessings over each one of my sisters that are listening to this. Lord, I thank you that you draw us back to yourself, that you are so full of grace and mercy and goodness and kindness, and that even though sometimes we do try to veer off that narrow path, you as a good shepherd so lovingly bring us back into your bosom and hold us there, and heal us from anything that we may have done or put ourselves into, Lord. You truly are so good. Father, if there's anyone listening that maybe hasn't been truly born again, that, Father, you would draw them to yourself, grant them repentance, and bring them into your beautiful kingdom, your beautiful family, and call them daughter, seal them with the Holy Spirit, that they will be filled with your oil, with the Holy Spirit, ready for when the bridegroom comes. Lord, and if there's someone that's just really struggling and they just need 
to know that you are with them and that you're going to get them through whatever it is they're going through, Father. I just pray comfort to them, peace to them, Father, and just that, that they would just see in your word and in prayer how much you love them. And so be with my sisters today, Father. I thank you for each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, sisters, remember we'll pick up right where we just left off in the next episode for part two. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.